Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Buenos tardes, mi amigo. Hola, my good friend. Cinco de mayo on Tuesday and I hoped we'd see each other again you killed my brother last winter shot him three times in the back you didn't have to do that. In the night, I still hear Mama weeping. Oh, Mama still dresses in black. Hello, hello. Welcome to Mikey Likes You, the world's greatest health and fitness podcast. A podcast about being well overall from head to toe, including the inside, mm-hmm. including your heart and your brain and your penis. Uh, today, I welcome a friend of mine, a real, real friend, um, someone that I'm very close to. He's been there for me when times get really tough. He's seen me at my worst, and he's never judged me for it. He is uh, I think as he gets into in, in the podcast, he, he feels the same way about me. And uh, that means a lot. He's one of the greatest Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners in the world, and that is no exaggeration. He is an ADCC gold medalist and winner. That is, for those of you who don't know what ADCC is, it is the Abu Dhabi Combat Club. It is a submission grappling tournament, and it is considered the pinnacle of submission grappling. And all the best wrestlers, jiu-jitsu practitioners, and um, grapplers in general get together every year, and they go after it. And my guest, Orlando Sanchez, is a champion of ADCC. Um, He's got a really interesting life. He's become a successful business owner of Gracie Baja schools and academies. There's a bunch of them all over Southern California. And um, I I really, it means a lot to me to be able to talk to him on my podcast um, because I, I really have seen this guy turn his life around. And that's why I think he makes such an interesting podcast guest. So, I hope you guys enjoy it. Oh, I'll get it. I hope you guys enjoy it. He is my close friend, Orlando Sanchez. All right. Clean my What's face up? here a little bit. Uh, yeah, you're all you're a sweaty man. Oh, I'm a fuck. I'm a sweaty beast, baby. I'm a beast, <laughs> fucking beast of a man. I wish um. Uh, first off, you know, I mean, you know that I mean it when I say that it's it's fucking awesome to talk to you and to to have you on my podcast is like. Really meaningful Bro. because we're so close, but I really wish we didn't have to do it via Zoom. No shit, man. Unfortunately, I agree. but 
So is life, I wanted right? To give you, I wanted to give you a big hug, man. And squeeze it's life. That, that firm ass of yours that's been, been working on those lunges, baby. It's very firm <laughs> right now. I will say it's it's <laughs> it's at a firm state. Um, so yeah, we I mean we were kind of getting into it before we started recording, but basically, um, you know, the, you were talking about how you had gotten an, out of control with your with your eating and your weight and things and. You know, for a professional athlete, that that's that's a big sign, more more so than I think for the average person. And uh, you know, I was feeling the stress too, and it wasn't just the financial stress of the lockdown yeah. because I, I think everyone's feeling that, unless unless you're in a weird industry where you're not affected. But um, you know, you owning jujitsu academies, it's like. One of the biggest, besides Bro, besides it, bars and restaurants, it's right up there with like the the biggest yeah. uh, industry, you know. That's there's affected. There's not much more. There's not much more contact you can do. Maybe prostitution, but yeah. I think that, that might be the only other job that is worse than. And besides, like if you take away if you take away the penetration, I I don't know. I think I think jujitsu <laughs> might be more. I think it might be I, more contact. I agree, bro. I have. I was I was talking to someone last night about my immune system over the past twelve years. I've had every like bodily secretion go down my eyeballs and my throat and everything while I train in yeah. all countries all over the world for the past 12, 13 from, years, you know? From like the gnarliest people too. <laughs> oh, it's not like... Dude, from the grossest fucking yeah. people. It's not like the you royal know? family is is <laughs> sweating in your in your mouth. It's like gnarly Armenian dudes and like dude, yoked out Brazilians. Belly. Yeah, from favelas, yeah. Where the geese and shit stand by themselves, bro. In the fucking, <laughs> oh, it's so gross. <laughs> but, but like to me, and I was talking about it with my my shrink yesterday, just yesterday, uh, ironically enough, that um, it, it wasn't just plain financial stress because I've been broke. You know that. I know you've been broke. You've been dead broke. Uh, dead when broke. we first like started really becoming friends, we were both. We're like broke that was life right that was dude we didn't do anything just worked out at the gym and yep i think you were you were just gotten clean and we're working on getting clean yep and and i was fucking full-fledged addict yeah. <laughs> and we were broke we were dead bro we were sitting at joe's juice bar bro remember yeah joe's juice bar man joe's juice bar passing the gold's gym and, yep passing dude they just closed rest in peace man rest the in whole peace. gym the whole gym man <gasps> they went, the they're they're done they're done. Oh my they just, god! They announced last week that they uh, that they couldn't handle the pressure of the the, the, the lockdown, COVID, yeah. and they closed the doors, man. I was, I was Fuck, that's really sad. It, yeah, it, that it, that it, it, that, it that was a huge place for for me and my personal growth as a human. Because same here, man. You know? That the fuck, dude. I, and I think that you know, it's going back to the financial stuff. It's not the financial stuff by itself. It's it's those things, man. It's it's a humongous part of my life was in that gym. Yeah, and then your your brain subconsciously telling you, man, now they can't even handle it. Like that's yeah. a corporate gym. That's not a franchise. That's a corporation-owned gym, and now they have to close down because of the COVID and the business and all that shit. It's a nightmare, man. And that kind of shit just fucks with you, you know. It is, and 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 like I was saying, like it, it it's not just the financial stress, which is big, Huge. but yeah. I'm lucky. My wife works, and not only works, is is successful. Yeah, and um, and I had been really responsible in the last like four or five years with my yeah, money. I wasn't. Yeah. I'm not like a crazy spender, so yeah. it wasn't just financial stress. It's that I had worked all of my twenties and all of my thirties. I'd worked to get to a point where I got stability, 
Yeah. It was like and I had I had I had stability in life. I had control. I could wake up in the morning and feel like I was in control of my life. And to have that uh, feeling taken away from you, it scared it scared and, me and it stressed me out. And bro, that's exactly exactly what I'm trying to tell people. Like, you know, it's not about like not having a paycheck or or this and that. This, hey, I'll always figure it out. I'll always survive. But the fact goes way deeper than that. It's, it's exactly, I did everything right for the past decade, right? right. I got sober. I, I, you know, worked with my wife on our relationship. I had three beautiful children. I do so much good, pay my taxes, do all my shit right, open five successful Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu academies. I'm doing everything right. And then, boom, it just yeah. gets taken from me. We just bought a multi-million dollar house on two acres up here in the Los Angeles Hills you know, of the foothills. And like, that was six months before the, the, the whole shutdown. Oh, oh. I mean, you want to talk about a nightmare? You know, you get yeah. to a place where you're like, man, I'm stable. I'm doing good. I got, you know, money and the cash in the bank. I'm doing well. Everything is going great. I did everything right, everything right for it to be just uncontrollably taken from me. Yeah. And it's the worst feeling of my life because going back to, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, it, it goes back to my trauma as a childhood. Everything in my life as a child, everything good in my life was taken from me, always. Right. Like, you know, people you love, gone. Uh, house, gone. Schools, gone. Everything for me growing up was always a roller coaster. So I started becoming, as a, as a young adult, like everything I loved, everything I, I cared for was going to be gone anyway. So that's how... I accepted just the drugs and the lifestyle. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. It's going to get taken from me anyway, so I might as well fucking destroy it. It right. took me years to get away from that. And I remember talking to my therapist about it. She's like, no, it's never going to happen. You know, it's, you're good now. You're in a good place. And then, boom, it happens. Talk right. about a fucking emotional fuck for me, you know? It's crazy, man. It's a crazy feeling. Definitely hard work this last few months to keep my shit together. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that you were able to, but I, I really like, I was thinking about you in particular, and then it, it dovetailed into thinking about other fighters in general, like, you're really fortunate, and you should be happy and proud that it happened to you at this time in your life, because if this happened seven, eight years ago, you, yeah, you were I'm, done, you would be, I'm, you'd be fucking done. Oh, I would never have been able to get off of my feet, you know, the way yeah. I did. There was some, for sure, for sure, absolutely. I mean, think about it, Mike. We, you know, eight, eight, nine years ago, me and you were training. I'm sitting right here in Gracie Baja, Pasadena. That's where you and I trained together. Mm -hmm. You know, eight, through the back office is where you took me in the back and got me to call my first therapist, man. You know, got me off the bed. Those, that was crazy, you know. And imagine what I, I didn't have anything at that time. I was, yeah. you know, and imagine if we were going through this back then, done. I would, yeah. This wouldn't have even been a career I could have started, you know. It's scary times right now, man. It's, it's, it's fucked up. Definitely, definitely a bad situation, man. Well, to, to happier stuff, let's get into, like, the point in your life where not only, like, when you first opened GB Pasadena, because that's, I mean, I definitely think you, you still had, you know, you were struggling a lot and you had a lot of, Ooh. like, anguish. But yeah. even three, four years before that, that was a whole different level. When Ooh, I when I just yeah. first like first met you, and you were just personal training at at Gold Gym Pasadena, um, yeah. dude, that was yeah, that was way before jujitsu ever came in my life, man. You're right, and yeah. and like a lot of people say, you know, they hear you you hear the 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 crazy stories, and I'm not I'm not 
minimizing those stories. But you do hear those stories a lot in like the ESPN behind the behind the scenes kind of documentaries, <laughs> like basketball saved my life or like baseball saved my life, boxing saved my life. I, I honestly, and I was there, I was firsthand and watching it. Yeah. I really think jujitsu saved your life. Like, Dude, 100%. 1000 percent. if it wasn't for jitsu bro you saw me i was yeah i was going 800 miles an hour towards a cliff and i was ready to fly off that goddamn cliff you know yeah and 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 jujitsu not only jujitsu but and then the jujitsu relationship and then that you and i had we could get into it more that really pushed me towards the right road but yeah i mean i remember dude i remember clearly and i was thinking about it the other day with this whole dodger baseball and stuff i remember going to a dodger game with you and you were you know you had been sober for a while and i was high as a kite and and i always tell this to people that you know you were such an amazing friend of mine back then you know like you are today and you never judged me and i think that relationship of not judging me and and kind of being being there for me but not being all up in my business trying to make me change yeah was my saving grace you know because i trusted you enough to like man, Mike really cares about me, you know? And uh, I remember going to a Dodger game, funny fucking crazy story, going to a Dodger game with you. I don't know if you remember, went to a Dodger game, and, dude, I had, was so high, and I was pretending not to be, and I had a pocket, <laughs> full, of co- I had a pocket full of cocaine, and, 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 <laughs> and I'm with you, and, like, we're at the clubhouse, and I'm, like, going to the bathroom every two minutes, fucking racking lines, getting super wasted, and you're like, have fun, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, dude! I was just thinking about it the other day. I was like, I don't know how I survived those days, man. But you know, going back to it, like having a friend like you who was already in the program, who had been sober for a while, who understands what it takes to kind of communicate with somebody who's fucking off their mind on drugs, was what saved me, man. You know, because yeah. so many people are like, God, oh, don't do drugs, don't do drugs, stop doing that. You know, and that you know, you obviously know that doesn't work. Exactly. Well, and and um, you know. The thing is, is like, and and I think that that's why twelve step in particular, you know, that's what helped me. But I, I think that there's a, plenty of ways to skin a cat, and I'm not certain. I'm not saying that there's only one way to do it, and that's the best way. But what I do think is the big benefit to a program like like the twelve step program is that I I know I had been through it, and I yeah. knew that there's literally zero positive <laughs> effect to having another adult nag you criticize you totally confront you it's like that you had to come to that conclusion on your own and um i I, i'm honestly in no position to judge anybody because i used to get on my hands and knees and go through shag carpet looking for little flecks of crack rocks you know so like how who might who might a judge you know like who might have judged anyone oh my god dude i was just talking to my wife about that the other day because uh we were still awake we we were driving <laughs> we drove to uh you know on our vacation for to lake mead we took the kids and shit and uh we went to lake mead last weekend for fourth of july and we were driving as the sun was coming up and i literally got chills bro i was feeling so gross because i started having all these fucking feelings of when i used to just be so high yeah. and as the sun came up i would going through carpet dude yeah. looking for fucking bi- i know i dropped some coke right here like, i had to have dropped something i know i did yeah. <laughs> oh, so, all i could do is laugh about it because it was so insane dude and i used to Fuck. i used to really hate normal people 
Oh, when it'd be like dude. 6, 7 a.m. and I'd be coming out of some shitty house or apartment. Oh. And I'd be putting my sunglasses on. And I'd see normal people like going to work, all Coffee. showered and shaved. And I'm like, fuck, I hate you. I hate you people. So you're you're at that point in your life where you're 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 really at a crossroads and, and I think that you had definitely understood that you had a problem and that you were not living your best life, but you weren't at a point where you were really prepared or capable of doing something about it. What what was it about because you had really excelled at football prior to that. You were a college yeah. football player and a good one. And then you were it got involved in Muay Thai with with crew crew Walter out there in Pasadena at Sityan Tong, who's you know one of the one of the best coaches in the world, and you were damn good at that. Yeah. But something happened once you got involved in jujitsu, where like it seemed like you were it a different guy. Like you no, know, totally, man. Like I remember, you know, I, from from a childhood, dude. I played soccer for you know since I could walk. I excelled in that. I became the best, you know, soccer in my area. Blah blah blah. Then high school became, you know, all American. Did all this stuff in high, and then went to college. Like you said, went to the national championship with NAIA with Azusa Pacific University. Played really well, and then, you know, did some bodybuilding competitions that I did well in. And then, uh, you finally come to that realization of like, okay, well, I'm not going to make it to the NFL. My pro sports career is over. Nobody ever told me to do anything after sports, so I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So, that was the big kick in my face you know early 20s when football is over and you have nothing to do nowhere to go yeah. you know and you know so there is where i started really using heavily and stuff and then like i said you know everybody knows my story pretty much that has paid attention to my career at 26 is when i kind of uh i needed to change you know i, I remember laying in my bed like feeling like i was having a heart attack Smoking a cigarette laced in cocaine, a cool cigarette laced in cocaine, sitting there. Very gangster. 360 pounds of a cool cigarette laced in coke, and and I feel like an elephant's on my chest. And I By the way, hold on. I hate to interrupt, but you 360 pounds, and for those of you who don't know Orlando, he's not six foot seven. You're what, maybe five seven? Like, is that is that a realistic? Five ten, baby. Five ten, which really means like five nine. Okay, all right. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I had 360 at the time, dude. 360, all I was doing was steroids, fucking liquor, and cocaine, you know, and a couple chicken breasts here and there. But that was, like, <laughs> all I was doing. And uh, and I remember, you know, I remember that. I remember uh, the guy Ricky Delgado from Gold's Gym, mm-hmm. a friend of ours, Ricky Delgado. He was the one that was already doing Muay Thai. So I had asked him. I said, hey, man, you want to help me out? I don't know. I need to do something. And he started doing pads with me. Then that's how I got over to Sinya Tong. And then, like, I started getting into Muay Thai, and I liked it, and I was getting good at it. And that was for, you know, six, seven months. And then the jujitsu happened, man. It was one night, dude, and sitting at City Tong, and a guy comes in. And, hey, I'm, you know, let's grapple, let's roll, whatever. And it was, you know, Noki, he was an MMA fighter, and jujitsu black belt. And I'll never forget, man, I got in the ring, and, uh, and I was like, I, I, know, I know how to fucking grab this guy or whatever. Yeah think i'm a badass and, and had been doing you know muay thai a little bit and that guy just he was like maybe 170 pounds i was 360 and he fucked me up so bad bro choked me out popped my elbows popped my neck fucked me up and right then and there dude right then and there it was like like that first big line of cocaine i was like this is it this is what i want like yeah. this is what i want to do this is it 
this is it. I was 26 years old. I was a loser, nobody, you know, like trying to get my life back in order. And, uh, and that feeling, I'll never forget it, man. I was like, I want to do this. Jiu-jitsu. I want to become the best in jujitsu. And it's funny that I look back upon it now, you know, if some 26 year old, 360 pound fucking druggy kid comes into my school and tells me that he wants to be the best in jujitsu, I'm gonna be like, yeah, okay, dude. You know, and everybody kind of looked at me like that. Um, except a couple people, you know, you were always supportive of everything I did. My wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. Um, and, uh, Dr. Ryan Zimmerman was always supportive. I had a, a few guys, you know, that were always in my corner. And then, uh, that was it, man. I started doing jiu-jitsu. There were some classes there and I started getting more and more and more. And through some people, I ended up meeting, uh, Professor Hamel Bahal and he had just gotten here from Brazil. And once I started getting my ass kicked like that on a daily basis, I was hooked, man. Right. I was hooked. There's something about jujitsu that, you know, you've rolled and stuff that just takes over, man. It just took over my life. And, uh, it was, you know, the craziest transformation ever for me, you know, absolutely. And I, I always, I actually talked about you on fighter and the kid. And I was saying this exact same thing because we were talking about John Jones with Brendan and, and Brian. Yeah. And I was saying, I, I feel, you know, I don't know John Jones from anyone, but I do know I, I'm lucky enough compared to the average dude to be pretty close with people who have trained with him at Jackson Wink and like know the guy. And from all the stories I hear, I personally think that he's too gifted for his own good. 100%. And, and that was, that's why I brought you up because I remember the days where, where you're first getting started, white belt and even into blue belt territory, where I would no, I would talk to you, and you'd be like, "Yeah, I didn't sleep last night. I uh, just came in from a bender. I'm, I'm fucking drunk. I did a couple rails right before I got here." And you'd walk out and you'd destroy everyone. Yeah. And it's like, if you have that um, much gift, yeah. it's really hard to kind of make heads or tails of like, "Oh, I need to buckle down," because things 100%. don't really seem like one hundred. And you know what, man? That's been a really big thing that I've had to deal with my whole life. Because I was always gifted kind of athletically and everything I did, like I would be the best guy on the football team and I would half-ass everything. Yeah. I would not do my drills and I would, you know what I mean? And I would just show up and I'd be able to fucking hang and, and beat everybody's ass. And, and that was, a, a, you know, never really practiced my soccer, but I'd go out and fucking score five goals and you know things like that. And the same kind of thing started happening with Shitsu in the beginning too. Bro, exactly. I was white belt and blue belt. I was still doing drugs and still yeah. partying. And I would train, train, train. I would go on a bender, then I would go do a tournament and smash everybody, you know? And same thing. And that's and now at thirty seven years old, I'm sitting here and I you know, I've been training and stuff late even even till now I can say that I've never given a hundred percent of right. myself in a training session or camp you know, to get ready for a match. I won the ADCC without even training, dude. I got into the big, it was what I've been training for six years, maybe six years. And I went to the ADCC and I won. I won the biggest grappling tournament in the world. No, it's a super bowl of grappling. It is. Yeah. It's It's the best of the best. And I beat everybody and I win. And I had only been training five, six years or seven years or whatever. And, you know, been, got my black belt in four years and same thing. Like you said, it's, it's always kind of been my double-edged sword, right? I just I get so good at things physically, 
and I, I kind of half-assed my way through. And now at this age of my life, I'm finally realizing, like, fuck, man. I don't want to live and regret it, you know? I, so right. my, my thing now is, like, I really need to do this, at least for a few more years, like, really train and really diet and really prepare and see what happens, you know? Yeah. And have fun. Do another ADCC next year and maybe do a couple more MMA fights, you know? Um, I feel healthy. I, you know, my heart is... Uh, back in shape and, and doing these things so you know I'm, I'm still not done yet I still that fighter in me is still there but this time I really want to see like my challenge now to myself is let's see if I can 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 really prepare myself you know like right. like a, like a hundred percent so I'm excited about it man that's that's going to be my next couple of years is really focusing on my health and training and and really doing it, you know? Right. No, it's good to hear. It's good to hear. And I like people always say, and I, I, I certainly like appreciate it when people say that they're like, it's so impressive that you were able to get your life together and make that decision to get clean at such a young age. I go, thank you. But I really didn't have a choice. I mean, I was an utter pile of shit. I didn't have <laughs> a lot going from, it was either that it was either get clean and change my life completely or be dead, or or or, or a complete uh, a degenerate, like a bum. Yeah, I don't and think then I know. I don't think people know how bad you really were. <laughs> yeah, I was just a loser. I mean, like you could party like a fucking animal, dude. Yeah. Oh my god, I've heard stories about you, man. It was the only thing I was like, real honestly, and I, I I'm not saying this like out of for pity or anything, but it, it's very true. It was the only thing I was like really good at. As yeah. soon as I found that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm exceptional. I'm exceptional yeah. at this. I drink more. I do more blow. I do more meth than everyone, and I can hang, and, and people yeah. like me more. You know, so it was something I was good at. But I always look at, like, guys like uh, like Trent Reznor to me is the most impressive because he was a guy at the height of his heroin addiction. He wrote he wrote the The Fragile, which is, like, landmark piece of music making tens of millions of dollars he's richer than beyond belief he's critically acclaimed he's commercially successful and then he decides i need to clean up my life that's that's really fucking impressive because lord if i was in that situation i'd be like oh i'm just gonna do this forever this is awesome you know and you know and i've had this conversation before with people as you know it's like there's something with you know there there's a direct correlation between success and addicts man like the addict brain the way we're wired the things that we do you know i i call it it's like you know you want to say borderline almost like a genius kind of thing it's that craziness like to be successful to do great things you have to be kind of crazy it's a survival thing that's what dr drew always talks about he's like if you if you really look at it yes is there you go to you go to an na meeting or a meeting is there going to be a handful of like degenerate bums and stuff like Sure, there is. But if you analyze the brains of the people that tend to have this genetic predisposition to addiction, they're all, a, a lot of them are, um, you know, fighter pilots, high-ranking military, cops, attorneys, doctors, surgeons. Totally, people, man. People that don't tend to get flustered when the, when the shit hits the fan. Shit go, yeah, that's absolutely and, true. Um, and I think that that's a, the big carryover to a lot of people when you see, I mean, because... And I do. I I um I can't tell you how many people will DM me asking for advice or anything. Dude, same and I'll say like I, same exact thing. Yep. And uh, I love it, and I'm happy to do it. But I always say like, look, I don't know what's right or wrong. I can tell you what worked for me, and I'll say like, 
go to a meeting, go to blah, blah, blah. And they're yeah. like, man, AA always seemed like a bunch of bums or a bunch of losers, you know, smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee. I was like, I got to be honest with you. You know, I'm here in Los Angeles and um, I go to meetings with the biggest A-list celebrities, yeah, the biggest, totally. the best, most successful musicians, some of the biggest um, you know, corporate attorneys and CEOs. Like, yep. I, I really do think that that's a misconception. It doesn't. You know, and uh, a lot of military guys have a hard time with it because they think that um, it, it's a sign of their lack of willpower or a lack of oh, discipline. And it's not. Men, it ha- has no correlation. Yeah, yeah. Men in general. I think men in general. That's why I've been such an advocate, you know, these past 10 years or even, you know, six, seven, eight years of, of really pushing like men, you know, if, if it, to get help, to talk, to, you know, yeah. it's not, oh, you're a fucking pussy, bro, because you talk to somebody and shit. Like, I hate that, man. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. And I think myself, like my big old fucking ears and my tattooed knuckles and riding a Harley and fighting and doing all that stuff. I use that and, and talk about like, dude, talk to therapists, get help, be vulnerable, those kinds of things. Yeah. If, if guys can look at me as a big tough guy, man, you know, I hope that they can kind of fucking get a little bit of of courage to go in and get help because i believe absolutely everybody dude should be talking to somebody man everybody should be talking to somebody even if you feel like you have your life together it doesn't hurt man to have somebody to sound advice off of and to talk to and to let things out you know absolutely we, we need that compassion especially now this world is fucked up right now man sure people is. are insane people are t- people screaming people shooting each other fucking fighting everywhere the racism the you know it's like this pent-up aggression everybody has right now dude you say one thing on the internet or social media or some one thing wrong the fucking world attacks you it's right it's the most insane i've ever seen it dude it's depressing i, I don't know and i you know me i'm I'm definitely guilty of being overly optimistic and naive about stuff. Like I'm, I, I, I always take the like super a nice guy view on things, but I don't think that thing people are. There's more mean, angry people now. I just think mm-hmm. that the people that are mean and angry are getting way more press. Like their their yes. their volume got turned up. You know, absolutely. Like, that's absolutely. the way I look at it. I, and I do think it's important, though, for guys like I, I've said this to you before and to uh, my friend Jason Ellis, guys like you, tatted out, tough, super tough, fucking no nonsense, badass alpha males. It's really, 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 really meaningful and valuable when you guys get out in a public sphere and say, oh. like, no, it's very, very courageous and it's very, very manly to Dude. to open up and be vulnerable, you know? Bro, you're more of a man if you're able to do that than not, I would say. Yeah. You know, to, to, to really – I mean, for me, I remember, bro, if it wasn't for you, I, I would have never even thought of it. You know, being raised Hispanic and Catholic and all this, I never thought about talking to anybody. You yeah. know, talk to people about your problems. You, you know, you come from a, a society that tells you it's wrong. And I'll never forget, man. I'll never forget. You and I came in right here in this school, right here, 20 feet away from where I'm sitting – and, uh, and I broke down to you one day, and you're like, dude, you need to talk to somebody. You need to get a, a therapist. Th- you, know, you need to talk to somebody. I remember we walked into the computer office, and we started looking up fucking therapists to call. And, and coincidentally, once I started researching it, that's where I found my therapist, who I've now been with since we hung out that day. Yeah. That was goddamn 11 years ago almost, dude. Yeah. And I've been still with her. She's the most amazing therapist ever, man. 
and uh, changed my life. I would never, you know, yes, jujitsu changed my life, but what really did it was me in my therapy, in my work, man, and, and, and really just tearing down all those layers and figuring out, for me, the biggest question was, why? Yeah. Why do I keep fucking my life? Why do I keep fucking myself up? I get a little bit of sober sobriety under my belt, and then what am I doing? I go and I start cheating on my wife and fucking up my marriage, and, and not because I don't love my wife. I love my wife more than anything. But I had to do something to, to fuck myself up. Self, self-sabotage. It's weird, right? Yeah. 100%. It was, and it was the most bizarre shit for me. You know, because I'm like, what am I doing? Like this. And then you realize that it goes all the way to your childhood and all that kind of stuff. But it's just so crazy the way, you know, just ruining my own life over and over right. again. You know, clean up from drugs. So let's go do this and fuck it up. It's, it's been crazy, man. And to learn all that stuff is phenomenal, dude. Yeah. So fun. Let's take a real quick break for a little bit of commercial action. Hey, what's the number one reason? you end up not using something that you buy. For me, it's because I can't figure out how to work it. It's true. If I get something, especially electronics, I can't figure out how to install it or work it. I give up, I get angry, I possibly break it. That's the basis behind Simply Safe. Simply Safe is the best, simplest, most effective home security system on the planet. They designed it to make sure that you came with came up with no problems in getting it to work and function properly. Order online, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. It's that simple. 24-7 security, and it's simple. So all you got to do is head to simplysafe.com team and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E.com slash team. It feels good to fear less. Now let's get back to the show. I, I think uh, you brought up something important too, and I not enough people talk about it. I honestly think because they're scared, because they think they might be perceived as raci- racist or culturally insensitive. But I do think there's a cultural component that not enough people make um, that, that talk about. Dude. And it's like, dude, like okay, we can sit here and try and pretend like, oh wait, it's all the same. It's all the same. No, like for Hispanic men especially from a certain generation uh, your your dad if you're of Hispanic a certain like Italians and like, the east coast you know yeah, Irish yeah. the Irish in, in in Massachusetts and and black guys for, in in general it's like you you were not encouraged to be no. soft and vulnerable and how you handled everything was definitely sometimes Violence. literally beat into yeah. literally beat into and other times you were instructed to like Oh, just just pretend like that didn't happen and move forward because you got to go to work today and shut your mouth. Don't shut your mouth pussy. and go to work. Yeah. Stop being a pussy. Stop doing this. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. Don't be a pussy. Take it like a man. Take it like a right. man. That's what I always fucking, you know, what you always hear growing up. Bro, the greatest achievement of my whole fucking life, I swear to you, man. I've done everything, mind you. I've won the world championships of ADC. I've become successful. I've bought a beautiful house. I've done all these great things. My biggest fucking accomplishment in my whole life is being my being a father yeah being a father for me and and being the father who is able to sit there with my eight-year-old son who has meltdowns and breaks down and cries because he's angry and he's frustrated he doesn't doesn't know what to do and and for me being a father who can console him and tell him it's okay to cry and talk to him about feelings and we name feelings and we do all this work at eight years fucking old, dude. 
I just, you know, and, and, and now I'm going to look, you know, we're looking for a, a, a good, a good therapist to match with him with, you know, there's no major issues, but I want him to be ahead. I want him to be a step yeah. ahead and I want to normalize this stuff for him now. So when he's a teenager and he's having emotional issues, you know, emotional feelings, we all have these weird feelings that he already knows, man. He knows that yeah. it's normal. He can talk, you know, dude, he cries kids. When kids cry, what do parents say? Oh, he's just being a kid. Oh, he's just, he's just tired. He's just this. No, he's a child and he's going through emotional things. And yeah. He's trying to figure himself out. He's trying to regulate himself and do all these things. So me and my wife and the way we handle that stuff in our children, like the crying and the, the, the mood swings and all that, and we normalize it and we talk about it and we name it. And, and that kind of stuff, bro, to me is the, my biggest accomplishment. Like that makes me happier than anything I've ever done. Right. You know? Right. And I know, I know you're not bullshitting because a lot of people always, you know, they get in front of a microphone and they're like, my kids yeah. are my life. My kids. No, I know yeah. that's the truth. I know. 100. And your wife, what your wife and her importance in your life is it's the same way. You, you really uh, worship the ground she walks on. Absolutely. Um, how, how much of it? And like, I'm only speaking from like my personal experience, but I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion because we're around the same age and we grew up in the same, essentially the same neighborhood. Yeah. Um, how much of it was also like developing a real sense of self-respect because I know like I did a lot of things wrong um, in, in in my teens and my early 20s because that's what I was thought – that's what, what people told me I was supposed to do. I was the the macho shit-talking jock idiot. And I was never going to go to good college and never going to yeah. be something. So, And that was kind of like shut your mouth and stay out of the way of the kids who are going to be successful. And, and you do your thing and we'll leave you alone. Just leave us alone. And I was kind of pigeonholed yeah. in, that, in that world of like my expectations for myself were set very low. And I wonder yeah. like did you have to – even after achieving – did you still have to kind of brainwash yourself and do the tricks into getting yourself to believe like, no, I can be a happy, healthy person. This is the craziest. This is the craziest, right? So here we are, right? You know, I'm sitting in the first school that we own and went on to open more schools and, and bought a beautiful home, beautiful wife, kids. And I did really well. And I, and I've gotten, you know, to a, a certain amount of success. And like I said before, because of the childhood traumas and whatever I, you know, I went through and, and, and things like that, I always thought that I was never good enough. Like I was right. never, like I always, I always thought that I was, oh, I'm just a fraud, man. Like everyone's going to find out that I'm just a loser or, you know, like my brain would tell me these weird things right. growing up. Right. Because you were told to shut up and just go to the side and whatever. Like I was never good in school. I could just do good in sports and, you know, I always kind of had that low, that, that low weird feeling about myself. And like I said before, every time we would do something good, it would just get taken from us, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with my dad, my dad's work and all this kind of stuff growing up. So it was like a roller coaster. So it's like one day you're doing well and then boom, next day you're off and you're eating shit. And then back this whole, this whole roller coaster. And, and I remember for years I struggled and I worked daily with my therapist about it. I would come to my school and I would have literal feelings of I'm going to wake up tomorrow and everyone's going to know that I'm a loser and nobody's going to show up to my school and everybody's going to cancel their membership and nobody's ever going to want to train with me again. 
and everything I've done is just a lie and I suck. And like, yeah, it's weird. Like this stuff was ingrained in me somewhere in my life. Right. And, and it was, it fucking freaks you out. Like every day I, I would have these weird, this was, you know, years ago before I really got into it with my therapist. And I would think, holy shit, like, you know, my school is just going to burn down tomorrow and I'm going to have nothing left. And everything that I've built is going to be taken from me. And you want to hear about a real fucking hard clusterfuck is those were the feelings I've always had. And my therapist and I worked for years to get over it. And now guess what? It all came true. <laughs> it came and true, here yeah. I am, and here I am, like, fucking showing up to my school and there's nobody here. And the government shut us down for four months. And people fucking stop, you know, coming. And the whole, like, it's just this scary, weird fucking situation to be in, man. Because I was, I always thought that this would happen, that everything would get taken from me again. And yet I did everything right and had these great sessions with my therapist. And I did everything right. And she had, you know, told me nothing was going to happen. And, and then a world pandemic fucking hits and annihilates all my schools, my businesses. And here I am sitting and I'm like, it's almost so fucking weird to me because it's like, I knew that it was going to happen. Like my brain had already processed like, ah, you know, I'm going to fail at it anyways. Like this is weird feeling, you know? So it's been a real trip lately, man. It's been a real trip, you know, man, thankfully I have, the most amazing therapist. I have friends like yourself, an amazing wife that that supports, an amazing friend, my best friend, this guy Samir. Um, thankfully, these guys, you know, have been such amazing blessings in my life that they've kept me on the right track. And hey, man, you know, I, I've done it once. I can do it all over again, no problem, man. You know, and that's what kind of keeps me going. That it's it's nothing. I I did everything right, man. I did everything right, right. and even in a pandemic. You know, after a pandemic hitting like this, like it's just out of my control, man. You know, yeah, it, it's I, out of my control. It's a weird fine line to walk because you certainly don't want to be totally. egocentric or 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 some weird uh, megalomaniac where you think like, well, I'm fine, everything's gonna be, I'm perfect, yeah. I'm amazing. But yeah. but you do like you that shift where it's like this shit happened now, and you're in a mind frame where it's like, I'll be okay. I'm working on myself. I got a good. I got a good network yeah. of people around me, and I'm just gonna keep on going. And it's like, got to. It's so so dangerous to get stuck in that in in that catastrophist mindset. Where I mean, I can't even tell you how many people will um, email me or DM me about like um, just losing weight, right? And I'll say like, yeah. hey man, you got you got to start tracking your calories. You got to maybe you got to give up on that that beer. You know, nightly beers. It's not gonna and 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 this guy or gal will 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 very sincerely and very honestly be like, I I can't do that. That's yeah. <laughs> and and I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. You you really can. Don't let Is any. That, I don't know yeah. what happened where you so convinced crazy. yourself. You convinced so yourself like. You're not good enough to do that. Like I'm a shithead with terrible. My mom's a fucking four eleven with teeny little bones, and my dad's a giant fat fuck. If I could be, if I could be muscular and lean, and literally anyone can. Like you can do it. But people get in their minds. They're like, that's not for me. I'm not that person. I'm not good enough. And um, and it translates it's, to obviously to other readers. But it's so crazy that whole idea of humans thinking that they're not good enough Mm -hmm. and and this narrative of like 
man, I'm telling you, it's the strongest. And look, dude, like, I take my glasses and I have even tears in my eyes thinking about it. I went through a thing. I don't even remember how long. It was maybe six years ago, seven years ago, that my therapist, um, you know, this was earlier in my years of therapy. There was a, a thing that we did that, you know, I was it was a, a little drill thing that we did. And one day she was sitting there, we were talking, and, and uh, she goes, I want to do a, I want to practice this with you, Orlando. She goes, uh, stand up. And I stood up, and she comes over, and there was a mirror in her office, and she's like, come here. She's like, stand here, and I want you to just quietly look in your, look in the mirror and look at yourself in the mirror. And we're going to do it for like, you know, 30 seconds, a minute. And, bro, it was the craziest thing, Mike. Like, I remember, like it was yesterday, I get chills thinking about it. I looked at myself in the mirror, and I couldn't do it. I could not look at myself in the mirror. And I started bawling, dude, like crying like a fucking baby. Like, like sobbing, like, ah, like, I mean, horrific, dude. All because I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. And it was the most weird thing because it's like, that's so much of society. Like, people don't believe in themselves at yeah. all. And that's something that I really had to fight over the past, you know, decade in my own life to really, you know, I've always thought highly of myself. But did I ever truly believe and feel comfortable with who I am and things I do? No, I never did. Up until the last, you know, since probably my son was born eight years ago and going through my therapist and stuff. But, man, it was the craziest experience of my life is just simply having someone ask me to look at myself in the mirror. And I couldn't do it, man. I couldn't do it. I broke down and I bawled for like an hour, dude. It was the craziest experience. It says a lot. It says a lot. Yeah. And um, uh, God Darn it, I wish I could remember who it was I was talking to because it was a really meaningful conversation. But on this podcast, I was having a conversation with someone. It might have been Uncle Creepy. I think it was it was a fighter, but it might have been Ian, yeah. Ian McCall, Uncle Creepy. And he was saying that, you know, he had been a UFC title contender who yeah, gave man. at the time at the time gave Demetrius Johnson easily the the best mm-hmm. fight he had ever seen. And he was, you know, an elite world champion. Superstar, and, dude, yeah. But he wasn't happy with who he was as a person. And now he's yeah. making half the money. He has half the, the, the fame, half the everything. And he's like, but I'm happy to get up in the morning and be myself. And, and it's, it's all the difference in the world. And, that, you know, I, I think a it's, lot of people like I, – I certainly don't have it all figured out. But I will say this is like when, when it didn't – it seemed like – show business jobs were just not going to stop coming my way. People would just call my agent every day offering me money to do stupid yeah. shit. And I was like, fuck it. I wasn't anywhere near as happy as I am now to just be like, you know what? I'm, I really like myself. I like my life. And I love, I, I love that I have a great wife and a great kid. And, you yeah. know, I feel comfortable with who I am. It's, it's like so crazy. It's so crazy. It's so different, you know, like, and I, you know, it goes on obviously with life and, and the changes and stuff, but, you know, you see these young kids, even in jiu-jitsu in my sport, you see these young kids and, like, they get a little bit of money or they do some stuff and, like, you know, their their whole life changes and they're balling and this and that. Or, but, like, man, you know, like you just said, like, you really don't even have any clue, man, about, like, just all the stuff that you go through in this process of life, man. And, and, and the same thing, like, I always had this envision of my life. Like, I needed to do this. I needed to do that. I needed to do this to be happy. 
you know? And now, man, I, I, I find satisfaction and happiness, bro, with, with watching Booba with my fucking two-year-old <laughs> kid that has long-ass hair and, and, and going in the jacuzzi with my family at night. Like, that shit to me is more fun than I've ever done in anything in my whole life. Like, real meaningful shit. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, real things that matter. Or just waking up and going to, to train with one of my Blue Belt students who really is passionate about jiu-jitsu. Like, really loves it. And have a good half an hour roll. And, like, see the way he lights up about it. Like, that kind of shit is where I'm, I'm really, like, focusing a lot of my energy towards, you know? That kind of stuff that is real meaningful, you know? You can only get money so much. You can only do pimp yourself out for so much, like you said, about jobs and all this. Until what, man? What is it going to do, you know? It's finding yeah. that stuff that really makes you happy, whatever it may be, you know? And, that, that's, and like, that's the true meaning. Yeah, and that's hard to do, like finding your purpose. So hard, it's, dude. But you got, it's like people ask me for advice about it, and I was like, dude, I'm the wrong guy to ask because I, I stumbled across it. You know, I, I, I fell in my lap. But I will say it, was, it didn't just fall in my lap. I was out there just – trying even yeah. though i didn't know what was right or wrong i was just going and eventually radio and kevin and bean came my way but it came my way because i was constantly knocking on doors 100 percent, dude 100 percent. and it's like i feel like the same thing as you it's like you gave muay thai a shot you gave you know what i'm saying like you football it went one way but you just kept going and eventually something came your way and that's the it's the same thing i tell people about like finding finding love they're like well, what should I, should I go on a dating site i was like I, you know what you should do Build you your life up. Yes, Build your yeah. yourself up, and just keep yep. doing more to make yourself bigger, and and eventually that will find you. Because it's not if you if your goal is like detailed, I, I need to find a man, yeah. I need to find a woman. Exactly. It's not going to work out that way, you know. No, yeah, I I feel the same exact way. And now you know, like you know, I'm I'm you know, like I said, 37, whatever, and got three kids and my wife, and and have all these companies and stuff, and. And I still, like, now I'm having a lot more fun and it's a lot more intriguing to, like, go out and do things that make me happy. Like, find out, you know, uh, job-wise and, and work-wise and do different deals and investment deals and work with people and, like, things that I never really thought that I'd do that I find so much enjoyment in working with good people, the right people. And, and uh, man, it's just so much different, you know? It's so much different. And I can't – I always look at my younger self and I'm just like, fuck, was I – I was out of my mind. Yeah. And I look at a lot of the kids growing up today in social media and stuff. It's insane. These kids have such a skewed perception of who the fuck they really are. You want to talk about, I mean, social media and Instagram and all this shit's not too old, right? It's, you know, a handful of years old. Like, probably, like, realistically, like a decade, like, you know, of like real yeah. social media. So, yeah. So imagine, imagine the issues, man, a lot of these young kids are going to hit in like a decade, 15 years from now, of just self, of self-perception mm. of, of who they really are. And, and you know, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a fucking crazy world, man, to see a lot of these kids, you know, see what happens in 10 years when they're living life on camera, literally, like social yeah. media, you know, trying to get likes, trying to get views. These kids will do anything nowadays for this shit, dude. Yeah. You know, and it's scary, man. And it's scary. And as a father, like, man, I was just before we spoke, I saw this fucking clip of this asshole. Who the fuck is this guy that he like fucking lets this little girl like open his pants 
and then she la- she laughs, and then he pulls her shirt off. Did you see that? No. It was a TikTok clip, and the guy's famous. I guess he's a famous YouTuber or something. Jesus. And this little girl, this little girl's like maybe six years old, and they're standing in front of each other, and the little girl reaches and grabs the front of his shorts and pulls it open like she's looking down at his penis, and she goes ha ha like laughs like this, and she's like six, bro, and he's a man. And then she, he in return pulls her to her tank top and looks down her shirt, and he's like, "Ha ha ha, bro! My mind is blown. My mind." It doesn't seem. I just watched it like ten minutes, like ten minutes before we started. Like you can talk about, you know, the Black Lives Matters, all this stuff that's that is an issue, and for sure people are going out there and fight. How about that shit? (laughs) How about fucking pedophilia? How about all these motherfuckers on Jeffrey Epstein's fucking island? I mean, that shit is real fucked up man it is and nobody is. says a goddamn thing little kids getting killed in chicago the little kid who got blasted in the back of the mom's car for making a u-turn down the wrong street like shit is so skewed nowadays it's just crazy man it's yeah no crazy. priorities priorities are strange and I, like i've always said what bought what blows my mind is um we hold celebrities, people who entertain, right. or, or, or athletes. Athlete, I remember that. Who's that dumb yes. fucker who swims? Uh, Lochte, Ryan Lochte, right? So he goes down to Brazil for the, for the Olympics, and he's a dipshit who swims. He swims really fast. You know, good for him. He swims fast, dude. And he's like, like 20 at the time. He goes down to Brazil, gets hammered, and, and, and rips a couple posters off a wall. And you would have thought he was, an, uh, was a fucking Nazi, but... But the leaders of our world can can p- essentially pillage the morality of of what we stand for, and people are like, oh, well, you got to do what you got to do. I guess we'll vote for. I mean, I'm gonna vote for the least shitty person in, in any position. It's like we're just like I'm like, wait, why are we at all giving a crap about a guy who swims when right. people who we're, we entrust to lead us we hold to zero standard, you know, like we hold to so. It's so bizarre to me, man. It's so crazy. I agree with you 100%, man. It's so fuck. I mean, the, the celebrity, the way people react and act towards celebrity is so bizarre to me. Like, yeah. even with this COVID shit, right? Even with coronavirus, people are looking to celebrities to tell them what the fuck to do about coronavirus. You know, like, yeah. you, these guys wear your mask, do all these things. Whatever your views are, you know, that's your views. But, like we've put so much into as a society so much into like what celebrities do and say it's just fucked up our uh, what they life. think yeah no i what look i i was on the other end of it it used to blow my mind when i worked at hln and cnn there would be some like controversial police video <laughs> so would come crazy. out and and they'd have me on a panel and they go mike what do you think about this policeman's uh i go i've I have never even been to a police academy as a visitor, let alone worn the badge and work. How the fuck do I know anything about like positive oh. or negative policing? You know, oh my it's weird. It's really strange, man. It's really strange. So well, strange. like on a on a lighter note, uh, what what do you think as like really one of the the experts in the field, like really like top point oh oh one percent of of submission grappling and jujitsu? The, the the movement the trend in the sport i find it and now obviously i'm i'm way less experienced and way less knowledgeable than you are but i find it weird how the overwhelming majority of schools push a training 
that might be effective in like a points can uh, points um, type competition, but doesn't mean fuck all if you were to get into an actual self defense. You know, situation. a lot of people, so a lot of people talk about this, right? Yeah, and, and I've been you know doing jujitsu obviously for a long time, and I think a lot of people put so much emphasis on like, whoa, if that wouldn't work in a street fight, like, look. If you go into pretty much any school that does a fundamentals program, right? Yeah. Which teaches you how to shrimp escape, bridge escape, full mount, scissor sweep, sit up sweep, and and just the, the normal aspects of rolling with somebody, right? You put in anybody in a, in a situation where they learn how to roll with somebody for five, six months, whatever, even if you teach somebody about points, right? Even if I were to teach somebody about just points, right? Let's just talk about points for a tournament. That still gives you such an amazing advantage in a confrontational situation. If oh, I absolutely. Think, you know? If I absolutely. Think, and that's not – I see your – my point you're, – you're totally right. I mean yeah. anyone who trains anywhere uh, is going to yeah. have after five uh, – a year is going to have a, a tremendous Six advantage months. in yeah, taking totally. care of themselves in, in a normal situation. But, you know – even even not even like when when I started training with you, let's say 10, 12 years ago, there was an emphasis on using jujitsu how it was initially designed to use, and that was for the smaller, weaker opponent to be able to figure out ways to to uh, to not only survive with but attack someone who physically overpowered them and things like you know like weird barambolos and stuff like that. I just don't know like. If some college linebacker attacks me and I try to do some wacky shit that's good for the internet, like it's still, he's still going to smash my fucking face in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, even, I mean, even if he's I, never trained. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a funny it's a funny like it's a fine line because like you know if you get in a situation where you're 150 pounds and there's somebody like that, it's going to be a tough tough role unless you're mm. obviously a black belt and things like that. But you know, I going back to like if you want to talk about like sport and self-defense or something like that to me what you know if the majority of schools now is you know they have their fundamental program which they're going to teach you know it's like probably 16 different weeks of different moves like you know gracie baja we have a, a fundamentals curriculum it's 16 weeks each week is divided in two and three moves per day and it's really cool because you go through a whole fundamental stuff once you learn that i mean you have a really awesome foundation of self-defense jiu-jitsu if somebody right. were to attack you you can handle yourself perfectly mount hold rear naked all different kinds of things um what's cool and and i'm a i'm a huge fan because what's cool is is just like saturday baseball and, and saturday soccer for kids jiu-jitsu has an actual uh has an actual league now man it's it's a cool sport for kids and people to grow up in you know, mm. there's 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 weekends where you can go to a tournament every weekend in Southern California. I think it's awesome. I think it's yeah. great, man, to go out and the whole family goes to the tournament and you learn how that. And if you dedicate your life to competition and you're a competitor, even if at a blue belt level, you're still going to be able to beat the fuck out of 99 percent of people in the street. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Learning how to just take somebody down. Even Baron Bolo, man, there's there's videos of guys fucking baron bowling guys at the ymca and breaking their ankles i don't know if you ever seen that this white dude is playing with basketball with a bunch of black guys and they got into a fight a little white dude like 
gets in a fucking Baron Bola position, takes a, an ankle and like straight up heel hooks the guy. Oh. He, has him, he has him in a fucking 50-50 and he goes, bro, the white dude's telling the black guy, bro, calm down. Like, if you don't fucking calm down right now, like, I'm going to fucking break your leg. You guys, no, fuck, he starts punching him. He goes, whack, and he fucks his leg up. I'll send you the video. It's crazy. But, I mean, you know, it, it eats to their own, man. It's like, I, dude, any kind of jiu-jitsu is better than no jiu-jitsu, you know? Sure, any, sure, any, sure, sure. Any jiu-jitsu is better than no jiu-jitsu. And I just think that the, the, the sport has become so big as a sport, and that's what you're seeing more of than anything. You know, the Gracie... Uh, academy and those brothers and stuff they were doing amazing phenomenal work you know they have their mindset they have their thing and they you know focus on the self-defense and not so much competing and stuff and then the majority of jiu-jitsu nowadays is all about competitive jiu-jitsu you know sport right. jiu-jitsu but i've been through it, man even if you are just a quote-unquote sport guy those aspects of taking somebody down passing their guard mounting side control all that stuff you're still going to be able to defend yourself in most any situation you know right so all all jujitsu for me is good you know whether you're somebody's teaching you how to quote unquote defend yourself or somebody's teaching you how to win a gold medal in a tournament it's still you're still going to have great fucking jujitsu to be able to fuck somebody up <laughs> you right. know what i'm saying where do you jiu-jitsu think is the like jujitsu is the best it is it's a really beautiful a, a really beautiful art, like for so many reasons. But one of the other things that is so underrated about jujitsu is the fact that you can get kids in there and go full fucking full blast. Go. You know full what I'm blast. saying? Not I, lo- I love Muay Thai and I train, I train a lot, but like you get 10, uh, 10 kids in there between five and 10 years old. There's maybe one kid in there that really wants to, to bang, yeah. to bang. You yeah. know what I'm saying? With jujitsu, you can just let them, let them go. And- Dude, that's what I love more than anything, man, is that you get a room full of kids together, and and even if they're not good, even if they don't know what they're doing, that, that fucking, that, that, man, there's nothing more instinctive to, to watch young kids do jiu-jitsu or watch two dogs wrestle or two fucking squirrels, just anything. Dude, when they go at it, they're doing jiu-jitsu, man. Yep. It's crazy to watch. No, I have a little puppy. Yeah, I just got a little puppy, and she's a Bernard Saint Bernard, like shepherd mix. So she's like big, strong athlete, but she's a puppy still. Yeah. And uh, my little terrier, who's a teeny little piece of shit, but she's so mean and angry, she'll dive on the puppy, and the first thing she does is she pulls guard. She gets her yeah. little legs up and she pushes herself away. It's it's crazy. It's exactly man. So that's what's so cool, you know, to watch the kids, man, is is they can go full steam ahead. And, and and not get hurt, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course, everybody gets hurt once in a while, but, but they can train full go. Even adults, we can train pretty hardcore five, six days a week and mm-hmm. still relatively not, you know, kill ourselves. You can't do right. that in any other sport. Man. No, it's you, true. You really can't, you know? How, how as a guy who, at, at you know, at ADCC level, especially an ADCC champion at the, at the heavyweights, super heavyweights and stuff like that, strength and size – Regardless of what you know, uh, what what Hori and Gracie or any one of the old schoolers wants yeah. to say, size and strength becomes an, a, a serious dude, issue. 1, but how much from someone 1, like you who who is unbelievably physically strong in the gym? Like like I mean, your 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 squat and deadlift is is huge. I mean, if you devote yeah, if you quit yeah. everything today and 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 started powerlifting, you would you would oh, be yeah. a world champion. 
so you're 100%. you're physically very strong. How much is like what point do you think it becomes um, self defeating? Like, is there is there a too much emphasis on strength when you should Absolutely. just focus? Yeah. Absolutely, man. I I mean, once you get to the black belt level, brown belt, black belt, you know, it kind of starts in purple, uh, where like technique starts becoming, you know really desirable to have good technique um and then brown belt you know and the, the technique starts really getting to this crazy playing field but then black belt man i mean black belt all that strength and all that kind of stuff i mean the way i look at it is everybody has their strengths right my strength is strength is yeah. strength speed and ability like those are my agility i'm sorry those are my like you know top three strengths other guys is maybe flexibility um, you know, you know, intellect, different things. We all have our different things, but just like the Meow Brothers and these guys are super flexible, you know, and that's one of their strengths. Mine is I'm really strong and fast. That's one of my strengths. So you start using your game around that. Right. But like you know, if I go if I go against somebody who's super flexible and really good, and I try to just fucking hold and squeeze them to death you know, and use all my strength, they're going to kick my ass, you know? Yeah. So there, there comes a point for sure as you get up in the, in the ranks, you know, in the ADCC level, black belts and stuff where you just can't, everyone's like, Oh, he's just strong. He, Motherfucker. You go try and hold somebody down for 10 minutes with your strength. It's just impossible. Yeah. You know, Especially a, bl a black belt. Yeah. A high level people talk belt. shit all the time. Like, Oh, you know, I'll win a match or something and I'll, you know, win by an advantage or something. And, and people come and talk shit like, oh, you don't do shit. You just fucking sat there. And, like, okay, motherfucker, I don't care how strong you are. You go try to hold fucking Vinny Magalhaes right. down, down for fucking 15 minutes. Let's see how well that works for you. You know what I mean? No, it's like, true. It's just, yeah, you know. It, it's, it's A lot funny. of people, base, uh, I always say, like, um, striking is like um, basketball, where even if you don't know anything about the sport, you can visually see something that's amazing. You go, well, that that guy just jumped from the fucking free throw. That's unbelievable. You know, when you see yeah. someone do like a crazy combo and then a head kick, you're like, whoa, fuck, I can't believe that yeah. just happened. <laughs> but baseball, if you don't know the sport, you don't even realize someone's doing something amazing, you know? And jujitsu is the same way. Like, if you don't understand what you're watching, you don't have any idea that you're watching something incredible, you know? 100%. And, and, and what's cool about jujitsu is the more you start learning about it and more you start understanding it, just the more fun it gets man so that's how the rabbit hole starts you start doing it you start doing it a little bit more then you start learning and then dude that's when you know then you start watching the ufc and it just goes into this rabbit hole of like obsession you know yeah i told i, I, I always tell people uh, uh jujitsu is very similar to surfing you gotta stick with it until it becomes fun because in the beginning, it's not fun. I will be very honest with you. It's really not fun. It but it, once really you is. once you get like past one, and you don't you don't feel it coming. You just get to a point where like all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, I can, totally. I'm setting something up. Oh my god, I'm defending. Like it, totally. it you just totally. it gets fun, you know. Yeah, my thing I always tell people, you know, jujitsu for dummies. My explanation is, <clears throat> first thing you do in jujitsu is you learn how to breathe. That's the first thing you do. You have to learn how to control your breath. Second thing you learn how to do in jiu-jitsu is how to survive, right? Yeah. Once you learn how to breathe, then you learn how to survive, not get tapped a thousand fucking times to roll. You know, you learn how to just hold your own and not get your ass kicked. Once you learn how to breathe, once you learn how to survive, then you can start learning 
techniques and moves and all that kind of shit and applying it, you know? But you can't do anything until you learn how to breathe and learn how to survive. And I, I, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm by no means, like, excellent at jiu-jitsu. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a serviceably good blue belt. But I train now. I train over at Crone Gracie's Academy here in on my side yeah. of, side of town, and um, I will always get comments from even, like really good people, black, purple, brown, and black belts. They will say like, uh, "Your defense is good, man. Your your survival is very good." And That's I go, it. "That you know why? Because I spent the first year and a half of my jujitsu wrestling with a fucking bear. Like <laughs> I, I had Orlando Sanchez smashing my chest." Where and I'd be tapping from top control. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I emphasize that, man. I emphasize that how important that is. Like, man, if you can find somebody to beat the shit out of you, and I tell this to all my jiu-jitsu people, man, if you can find somebody that really beats the fuck out of you, train with that person the most. Yeah. You know, like, dude, that's how I started. I mean, I started, you know, I started, and then I, within the first few months of training jiu-jitsu, uh, you know, is when I met my professor, Hamilo Bahal, and we all know that motherfucker, you know, he's, he's World as class. raw. He yeah. is as raw as they come. Like, and know, physical specimen, jacked out of his a, mind. He's one, he's one of a kind, you know, my professor's mm. one of a kind. And, and he always had that. He never took shit easy on me, man. And I was always big and strong. I could take an ass whooping. And I loved it. That's the addict in me. So he would beat the fuck out of me, dude. He would kill me. You remember seeing it. Dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would bust my face. I'd be bleeding. Fuck my arm. Choke me. And I would always come back for more and always come back for more. And that shit is what made me the world champion I am today. That, dude, not giving up, not quitting, not fucking, you know, so, oh, take it easy on me, professor. Like that attitude that I had of never, ever giving up or never taking it personal. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, Professor Hobble is beating my ass. He doesn't like me. I'm taking it personal. Uh, You know, that is what fucking saved me, man. That's what made me good. I have a couple students, you know, that uh, that have been training with me, you know, one of them, this kid Alec. Um, I don't know if you remember him. Alec. He's been with me since eight years old, and man, I've been beating his ass since he's eight years old. <laughs> you know, he's now a brown belt. You'll get his black belt soon. And uh, even you know, fuck, yesterday we trained. I beat the shit out of him, and and never has he ever complained or not come back. Like he keeps coming back, and his he's damn good man he's you know and and that's the kind of attitude you have to have if you want to be really great man you have to have no ego you have to be willing to go look for somebody better than you to follow to get your ass beat all that kind of stuff i think and and, and not only in jiu-jitsu in life you know in yeah. life that's how we're at now right now in this pandemic i could easily quit and cry and close all the schools and give up and run crying and seeing how unfair the world is and you know but you can't you gotta fight man I, my goal is to come come out of this pandemic fucking 10 times stronger than I was before, you know? And that's the yeah. mindset I have to have, man. And, and it's time. it's tough. It's tough, but it's realistic. Totally, you know, man. it's totally. plausible. What it may else? seem improbable, but it's plausible, yeah. yeah. You know? um, I, I'll, I'll never, ever, ever forget, uh, like, at your alma mater, locking out of high school, Dr. Drew, uh, he went to Poly in Pasadena. And he's uh, he's sixty three, so he's obviously generation many yeah, generations he before. Good. He looks good, man. He does yes, oh yes, he sold his soul. Um, <laughs> and uh, he told me the craziest story, and I'll never forget this. He's told me a lot of crazy shit, you know, from his time as a surgeon and his time working in a mental yeah. institution. But he told me a story one time, kind of casually, offhandedly, and I I always use this in the back of my mind to like keep myself going. Um, he went to a prom 
at La Cunada High School in <laughs> the in the early seventies, and the band playing at the prom was this was band. band this band nobody had heard of called Van Halen. Van Halen, yeah. And yes, he said, and yes. he said they fucking stunk. They were yes. terrible. They got yes. booed off the stage. Eddie yes. played the uh, like a Wurlitzer fucking Moog like yes. organ. He didn't even play the guitar. Alex could barely hold a fucking rhythm. They had some front man that wasn't David Lee Roth. They he's like they stunk. And I said, Van Halen, yeah. If there was a time and a place where Van Halen stunk. That means anything's possible. Never give up. It means anything's Absolutely. possible. Absolutely, man. And and usually, dude, the people that have the most success are simply the people who didn't give up, man. Yeah. You know, and that that's usually the way it happens. Like I look at myself, and I have a lot of goals now that I want to do in you know in the workspace world of my own businesses and and just you know work related stuff. And. Uh, and I have many, you know, sticks in the fire right now, totally. And, and like I always have, like, you know, I've got 100 sticks in the fire and hoping one of those catches and then you follow it. But the thing is, is you can just never quit, man. You just never stop. You never yeah. stop. And that's the attitude that separates so many people who win and so many people who don't win. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That, that success doesn't mean necessarily that you're the greatest at something. Success means that you are willing to fight the longest for it you know yep. when a lot of people and there's a lot of people that are better than me at jiu-jitsu who never won adcc you know who never won multiple world champ who never won the brazilian national who never did all these things a lot of guys are better than me but i won it because i never quit and i went and i fought my ass off and i did all those things you know and so you're that, you're incredibly you're incredibly ballsy when it comes to just <laughs> you 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 Honestly, like maybe no one I've ever met, you will just do, you'll just do it if you, if if there's an opportunity and it's totally it can seem utterly impossible. You'll be like, I'll do it. Oh, fuck it, let's yeah. go. And you don't even trip about it. You're like, well, let's that, go. What's the worst can happen? That's on, That's honestly been my saving grace, man. That's yeah. what set me apart from everything I did in my life. Like I said, man, I'm at 26 years old, you know, talking about becoming a world champion, black belt, blah 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 blah. ADCC champion. If anybody came in off the street and told you that right now at 26 years old, you'd be like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Your fucking train was a long time ago. But yeah. I would go home, I'd be like, Trisha, I'm going to be the fucking best. I'm going to be best in jiu-jitsu. I'm going to be yeah. best in jiu And everyone's like, uh, bro. You're fucking old. You're out of shape. You know. You were um, you were like you, know? you were like a purple belt, and uh, you had gotten your blue belt after I watched you utterly decimate some poor young man at the uh, the uh, fitness expo, LA Fitness Expo. Remember yeah, when they had yeah, the jujitsu yeah. tournament? Yeah, 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 and yeah. I went to watch you, and you you just just destroyed someone, and then you got your purple belt, and you you told me you're like I'm gonna be the best heavyweight grappler in the world, and I was like, yeah. okay. All right, actually, yeah. and then lo and behold, and I and I and I believe that man. I always believe that every day, man. I would train, and I just and that's what I would tell myself, and that's what I tell myself. And you know, now I got a lot of other goals that I want to do that I'm you know doing in private, quietly, and shit. That when I make it, man, my next level is going to be astronomical. People are going to be like, "Holy shit!" When man, you get into porn, even... you're going to be a huge, yes. you're a huge star, yeah, <laughs> huge star. The Cuban tree and, uh, stump delivering blows <laughs> to the. Just... Panochas all over the world. Fucking bukkakis all over the world. <laughs> ADCC level bukkaki. But <laughs> I'm gonna, 
I have a lot of a lot of you know a lot of personal goals right now that I that I'm working on and achieving just in in in, in real estate investment and and just all kinds of different things that are really exciting, man. In the next couple of years, I'll be able to achieve them and and be able to use my story to inspire other people, man, to go from yeah. where I was to, you know, to becoming a jiu-jitsu world champion, to becoming a successful business owner, and then to becoming the person I'm planning on becoming, man. It's going to be a fucking hell of a story, dude. I, I, badass. I fully believe it. And, um, you know I love you, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to get on the podcast. Absolutely, I think a, man. I've been wanting to do it forever, bro. I love this. Really time. good conversation. And um, bi- at Big O FTW on, on Twitter? Uh, no. my uh, So my Instagram is at Orlando GB72. At Orlando GB72. Okay. Yep, yep. And then, uh, and then that connects me to, to everything else. But my main one is awesome. my Instagram, at Orlando GB72. And you have five yes, academies. Sir. You have Pasadena, uh, downtown. Pasadena, ba- Pasadena, La Cunada, West Covina, downtown LA, La Crescenta, and Yuba City. Nice, so six nice. academies right now, yeah. I, I'm yeah. sure it's not your biggest or maybe even, I don't know, maybe it is your most profitable, but, I, I'm, but it had to mean so much to you to open up a La Cunada Academy. Oh, being dude, your, your uh, Bro, uh, man, you know, you know, Pasadena was our first one, and mm-hmm. ever since I started my first day of jiu-jitsu, I told myself that I was going to go back to La Cunada and I was going to open an academy. And I was going to open an academy so it could be a great place for this, this neighborhood, because there's nothing in La Cunada, you know? Yeah. I mean, rest in peace, man. A, a, a good friend of mine who was a student, um, you know, who's a nephew of a really good friend of mine. I've known the parents forever since I was a child, and this young, just super beautiful boy, man, just passed away. A couple oh, weeks shit. ago, um, I mean, rest in peace, God. It just breaks my heart. But he uh, he passed of a heroin overdose that was yeah. uh, fentanyl laced, fentanyl laced heroin, which is killing everybody right now, man. And uh, I mean, just a beautiful young boy, 18 years old. And I mean, fuck, man. It's just I wish so much that I could have known, like you know. And as an addict who's been through it. I, I wish I could have helped, you know, every time right. I hear that shit, it just fucking kills me. So I'm like, if I just could have had a conversation with them, maybe he wouldn't have gone and got the heroin that day, you know, and it kills me to see these young kids struggle like that, man, struggle, you know, it just it fucking kills me. But that was the biggest reason I went and wanted to start a school in La Cunada because the drug use in La Cunada is fucking epidemic, man. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it has been for a while, uh, even before the fentanyl. I mean, back in back in the '90s when I went to I went to San Marino High School, which is you know down the street. Say, there were savages at La Cunada that oh, I used to dude, party with. It's always, Fucking always. savages, always. yeah. And that right now, man, right now everybody's on heroin, dude. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about like rich, you know, just suburban kids from a good neighborhood shooting heroin, bro. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Like, this yep. is insane, man. And nobody's saying shit about it. There's no fucking street signs and no people holding up fucking signs to say stop fucking heroin. Like, yeah. you know, that shit pisses me off, man. That, and it and it does not discriminate. It does no, not. It Young, old, poor, rich. Yep. Bro, that, it'll kill 
everybody. Yep. I mean, you want to talk about COVID-19 numbers and shit. That is nothing compared to what fucking drugs are doing to this fucking world, man. Not yep. even this country, this world, dude. It, uh, and, but and it is the world. It is the world, but it's particularly this country. Our America is insane True. when it comes to drug use, you know, and in the, comparison yeah. to that. And, 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 and nobody fucking talks about it, which kills me. Drives me insane, dude. Drives me insane. I mean, so bad that I've known people who have died, and the parents fucking sweep it under the goddamn rug because they don't want their fucking reputations fucking tarnished in the goddamn right. community. Be Oh, well, you know. The, oh, I don't want to be seen as the parent who had a kid die of drugs. Like, it's so fucking twisted. And then those same people go out and fucking hold, you know, Black Lives Matter fucking signs. Like, it just blows my mind, dude. Blows my mind that, that there's so much... Yes, uh, racism is fucking real and all this shit. Is, but, man, kids are dying every day, bro, of, of depression and, and, and drug abuse and all that stuff. And it just drives me crazy that nobody talks about it. Why? Because it's a re- it's a reflection on who they are as a fucking parent, right? Yeah. So uh, these parents and shit are, are are not talking about their own kids dying of fucking of of drug abuse and shit because they're afraid that it makes them look like bad parents. It just yeah, and so it, and it, angry, you know, know, I also people who don't experience addiction, whether they personally are addicts or have a loved one close person to them. It, it doesn't make sense. It's also, it seems no. like science. Whereas racism, police brutality, yeah. uh, gun violence, your your left brain can go, oh, I see totally. what's happening. That's terrible. That's awful. Totally. People dying of drug addiction, you, you it doesn't, it's like science People, fiction. It doesn't make exactly. sense until you, and, yeah. Yeah, exactly. People, I mean, the, the thing I always hear when it comes to that is, is people say like, oh, well, it's his fault. He shouldn't be doing drugs. All right. You know, oh, like, Fuck, I want to slap the fucking shit out of you when you say that stupid shit. Like, you have no clue. These people who, oh, there's, there's, uh, addiction's not a disease, it's a choice. Like, yeah, dude, you really think I'd like to be fucking strung out since going through fucking <laughs> my carpet for fucking cocaine rocks? Like, nobody chooses to do that. Right. You know, it, it, it's, it's a fucked up disease, and it's stronger than anybody realizes, man. It's a sick, sick world, man. And, and I just wish... And I'm here to, to, to reflect more light and to make it come up to the surface more, you know, and talk about it, you know, talk about it too with my kids. And just I want to be so open about all that shit, man. And, 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 and if I can save one life, man, it's worth it, you know. Yeah. If I can save one person from, from fucking up their life, you know. So I don't know. That's a, that's a real big issue with me is, is people in this country especially choose what it is they want to protest or, you know, oh, or – death or this like people are dying every day of all kinds of shit man so you want to talk about equality let's 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 bring up equality let's talk about equal protesting for police brutality drug abuse racism well here's the thing you know i think everyone should be whatever matters to you you i i feel like it's great and you should feel free and encouraged to protest and stand up and speak out on what matters to you but what i don't like is that people start fucking pointing fingers at other people be like well wait you can't protest uh you can't protest uh uh, uh, union stuff because there's police brutality going on and uh, you're obviously it's like you can't protest black lives matter all lives matter it's like no yeah (laughs) people have things that matter to them and and we should you know let everybody be heard you know exactly everybody needs to be heard on shit but i just feel like there needs to be more of a societal push on 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 
like man our kids are dying bro. our kids yeah, no. are dying of of heroin and fentanyl man there's two like, things oh, where i dude. there's two things that i honestly think that people just either a are willingly turning their back to because it's too hard to deal with or yeah. b are just truly un, don't understand how serious the situation and one is the drug problem in this country Addiction is is so ridiculously rampant that people I honestly don't think people understand. And they two don't. is is the condition of veterans that come back oh, from the war. And the, dude, the, that, that's it is such topic. a serious yeah. serious situation so that if people really got the numbers in front of them, that how many are killing themselves, how many of them are are suffering so deeply it that they blows, want to die. It blows all the COVID, all those numbers. It blows it out of the water, dude. It's yeah. so scary, man. It's so scary, bro. It's so horrible, man. And I agree, man. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm a very like empathetic person. I have real big heart, and I and I and I hurt for people who hurt, you know. And I think that's what what uh, you know. I don't know, man. I'm you know people call me a big softy, and I guess that's exactly what I am. And I, I care. I truly care mm-hmm. about people, but I don't like pick and choose. Like, oh, let's care about this person. Care. Like, I just I'm fucking. I just wish we would we would care as a society more about kids dying man right like kids dying from drugs and 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 addiction instead of turning our backs and then you know going off on so many other tangents when this is really happening and this is really happening in every town across yep. america every color every race every religion every economic status everything yep. it is the most crazy thing because nobody is immune to, to death and drug abuse man yep you know, it's true. and uh, that's one thing I really, you know, the bigger I become and the more successful I become, the more I want to point my sh- my flashlight at that world, you know, for sure. Big O, you're the man. I love you. Thank you love so much, you, man. man. Dude, so awesome. We got to do it again soon. ASAP. There you go, man. I told you he's an interesting guy. I'm sorry about the levels. I did it on Zoom and um, it's just sometimes it's really hard to balance them. So I really do apologize for the uh the the hard listen because i'm sure i was like a million times louder than he was but orlando thank you again i love that guy um and in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares oh wait 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 oh yeah subscribe honestly so i can grow this thing please i believe in this podcast i hope you do too tell your friends subscribe download everything and then also if you have questions or concerns at mikey likes you one the number one um, on Twitter and Instagram, and then also at Mike Catherwood is my personal stuff on both Twitter and Instagram. And in this crazy mixed-up world that makes you think that nobody cares, I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.